0: i uh-huh. uh-huh. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we crawl our way to the bitter end of the world's end, one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. And today we're preparing to annihilate Minute 5, which begins with Gary responding to a question about disappointment and ends with adult Oliver in line at a coffee shop talking on his Bluetooth headset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite opening sequences of a movie ever yes i just remember mean, not to (laughs) no 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 not to gary king this movie but i do remember sitting in the theater in 2013 as loaded by primal scream which i had never heard before starts and just being like it's happening right now i'm watching one of my favorite movies for the first time like right now yeah and just the, the way that Edgar Wright fucking edits to music. Yes. Is, in, is just, it's, it's insane. It's, it's one of my favorite things about him as a filmmaker.
0: It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. It is. It like really gets me pumped. Like <laughs> I was just, I'm I'm like, I was just watching this minute for the podcast. And I was just like, Oh my God, we're about to watch the world's end. <laughs> <Like I'm, laughs> yeah. I, I love this opening so, so much. Just
1: the way that the opening of the song, just the way that it bits like big talk relative focus features presents the world's end.
0: Yeah. And then yeah. like
1: the lighting up of the font.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, okay. So before we get into that though, yeah, for sure. a little, a little bit of the scene um, that we have to talk about. Uh, it's always
1: really funny to me how that guy just, like, well, you didn't, you didn't get to the world's end.
0: Yeah. Because like, he's like, he's like, uh, he asks him, are you disappointed? And he, <laughs> he goes, like, about what? And, like, looks at uh, uh, the the actress um, uh, Nicola Cunningham, who played Bloody Mary yes. in Shaun of the Dead, um, who's got a little cameo here. And uh looks at her like this fucking guy, right? am I right? like he just <laughs> it's so good, and she's just dead inside, so she's not responding.
1: She's such a memorable she, face that you almost yeah. you're like, Oh, that is Bloody Mary,
0: right, right, yeah, um, she's got good boots on, yeah, those boots are pretty cool, um, but yeah, I also like the way that the guy is sitting in his chair, mhm-, he's just like kinda. Like tall and lanky, and he's just kind of like halfway hanging out of it, like it, he's been sitting in it a long time, and his, his he's just uncomfortable. Are, his and legs so, are all spread out. Yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, and he's like that. You that you never reach the world's end, and there's this really great moment in the script, mm-hmm. and um, I've definitely taken this, the way that this is written, and used it, uh, in in our writing a mm-hmm. lot. Which is that, um, you know, it says, pale young man, that you didn't make it to the world's end. And then it says, close on, Gary. Yes, 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 Gary, no. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's, it's, it's this great way of, like, adding context to the performance. Yes. Without, without, like... Directing in the script. Without directing in the script, exactly. Like, you're telling them, like, no, he is lying to himself and everyone else
1: yeah you know one of my favorite something that I always think about when I'm screenwriting is that you you are the, a script is supposed to be a blueprint uh-huh. as opposed to a novel. and so right. when you're writing a screenplay, when I write a screenplay, I always try to be like, okay what is, what is the imaginary film crew that's going to be making this someday? What do they need to know, or what does the reader need to know to see the movie that I'm seeing in my head? Mm-hmm. And so it's not about you know if you're writing an action scene it's not about he does this he punches left he throws it but like how can I communicate the idea how do I make sure that they're seeing in their head what I'm writing mm-hmm. and so yeah just stuff like yes 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 no it's like that if I'm if I was if I was Simon Pegg or if I was any actor or any person reading that like okay that communicates that message
0: right right um, so then I want to I want to mention uh, I want to bring up the thing that I alluded to yesterday um which is about that you know that first shot of Gary King being the shot of the dead shot. Yeah. And now here we cut to this wide shot and then we start slowly zooming in mm-hmm. to Gary. All the way through to him uh hearing the opening of um Primal Scream. Primal Scream's loaded, which is a a uh a, a clip from um a film The Wild uh, Ones. Yeah, with uh uh, uh Peter Fonda. Uh, yeah, there you go. Peter Fonda. I kept wanting to say Jane Fonda and I'm like, nope, nope. What's the other one? Wait, Who's the other Fonda? <laughs> Can't do it, Jane but, Fonda. But yeah, Peter Fonda and he's talking to a pastor in this. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's the just what is it that you want to do? Well, we want to be free. We want to be free to do what we want to do and we want to get loaded and we want to have a good time and that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a good time, <laughs> and we're going to have a party <laughs> and that push in this this now push in into a close up of Simon Pegg is a callback, a recreation of the opening shot of Hot fuzz oh yeah as,
1: and, as 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 Nicholas Angel approaches the camera
0: right as he approaches the camera, we start on a wide and then he gets closer and then we get. Uh, the beginning of the movie, and this is to, this is to say that the world 's end operates on so many different levels as a film because you have the basic plot right you have what the basic plot is actually a metaphor or allegory for right you know the the alcoholism, the depression, you have that stuff as well, and then you also have. This other layer where it is trying to be the closing chapter in a trilogy of films that have no connection to each other outside of themes and
1: the creators
0: behind them. Yeah, definitely. And so what you have here is Shaun of the Dead is your thesis. Hot Fuzz is the antithesis of Shaun of the Dead. And then The World's End has to work as the synthesis of the two. And this opening shot of Simon Pegg as Gary King is doing that. Um, It is synthesizing those two films to say that we're making a third thing based on everything that we've learned when we made Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. This is the third this is this is this is the result this of is, us making those two things.
1: This is the, this is the synthesis.
0: This is the synthesis of those films. In this opening and, shot,
1: we are we're calling back and bringing back both of them simultaneously in new ways.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, and I think that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. While independently communicating
1: what we want to be learning about Gary King.
0: Yes. Right. And that's why, like, I call this film a masterwork, mm-hmm. is because it is working on levels that I think a lot of people aren't giving the due credit to, um, especially people who just saw it once and dismissed it as not as good as the other two and then just never watched it again. Right. Um, and the more you watch this movie, the more you're going to pick up on the layers of it. And the more you're going to realize what this film is doing.
1: Yeah. Um, and why it is such a feat and such an accomplishment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and so this is just the beginning of a lot of conversations <laughs> that I want to have about what, uh, what this movie, you know, how successful this movie is and um, the levels at which it's working. But this is just a very right off the bat a very simple way to explain what this movie is doing and how many levels it's working at. Yeah. Um and and yeah, right here, this is just a meta-textual comment on the fact that the world's end is a synthesis of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz um while also, you know, attempting to tell its own story.
1: Yeah, because like, you know, on a on a singular level, if you're just watching this, the Hey, I'm fucking in love with the turn of like <laughs> no. And then Simon Pegg's face is like, oh my God, he's right. Right. Just the the deep, deep like and then the kind of Grinch moment where he knows exactly what he has to do. Yeah. He has a reason to live again. Right. His, his life isn't over. He knows exactly what he's going to do.
0: He if, does have one last thing he needs to accomplish. Yeah. And yeah. it's uh It's giving him something to live for. Yeah. And like it's
1: such a like. Oh my god! I can't wait to watch this movie.
0: Yes, yes, and it's
1: great. Uh, and um, I, I
0: would like to. I guess I. We, we should. You know, maybe, maybe I'm taking for granted that people understand the the see the, the thesis, uh, antithesis, synthesis story structure uh, more than they probably do. Um, yeah, you for know, their benefit, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's... So it's like a, it's a, it's you know, it's a shorthand for Nick and I because I use it all the time in our writing. But um, the idea is that the the thesis is sort of like um, in 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 if you're telling like one story, right? Your your thesis is sort of like your act one. It's where you know a character is in a, a comfort zone, a place that they find familiar, and yeah. then their familiar place is thrown into upheaval, and they are driven into act two, which is the antithesis of act one, right? So now they're living in an opposite world. And then over the course of living in opposite world, they learn things that then they bring back to their comfort zone in act three, synthesizing the two. Yeah.
1: Moana, Moana was on an Island. Yep. That was her comfort zone. Her comfort zone was, "I, I wish I could just leave this Island and see what else is out there. Now she's on a boat. She's far away. She can't even see her Island anymore, but on that boat, she learned stuff about herself and her world. And then in the her end, family. her family, her her heritage, her, her yeah. legacy. Uh, and then in the end, it it synthesizes where she she is able to bring home with her new life. She's able to her change her world,
0: right? And return. She, she basically she she takes her comfort zone and brings it to the sea. Yes, like she's like, no, we're now we're all going. This should be our comfort zone. We right? were we so were voyagers, right? That was the synthesis of that film. Um, in the terms of the Cornetto trilogy, right? You have the thesis in Shaun of the Dead, which is that you know Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and and Edgar Wright to a certain extent, they're they're making a film about themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like Sean and and uh, Ed. Uh, Ed are basically Simon Pegg and Nick Frost at that time period, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're not really going outside their comfort zone. They're very similar to, like, characters that would be in Spaced, right? Yeah. And so that's the thesis film. Hot Fuzz is the antithesis of that because even, like, on a a character level, you look at Sean, right? Sean in Shaun of the Dead has to learn how to be responsible, how to be a responsible man, how to grow up, right? Then you go to Hot Fuzz. And you start that film with Nicholas Angel being the most responsible person and having to learn to let his hair down. And, like, it doesn't, not everything needs to be business. Sometimes you need to have some pleasure. Sometimes you need to just hang out with your best friend and drink some beers yeah. and watch some action movies. He doesn't right? know
1: when to switch off.
0: He doesn't know when to switch off, right? Sean doesn't know when to switch on. Yeah. Nicholas, Nicholas Angel doesn't know when to switch off. Thesis, antithesis. And now you have synthesis which is Gary King is immature and doesn't know how to switch off like (laughs) it's it's the the perfect synthesis of both of those guys he is relentless in the way that Nicholas Angel was relentless but he's more of a Sean than a Nicholas yeah but it's like he has Nicholas's drive but Sean's ambitions (laughs) yeah
1: I never thought about it like that but definitely
0: yeah he is the synthesis of those two characters And that's what this movie is. This movie is the synthesis of those two films. Um, And and Gary King as a character is just like, you know, a perfect uh, uh, example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. So... There we go. That's that's our that's our first conversation about uh, the first of many conversations we're going to have where um, I'm attempting to really break this movie down and show you why it's so special.
1: Yeah. If not now, when?
0: Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's the whole purpose of this. Right. How many people have mentioned how they can't wait to listen to this season because they want to learn to appreciate this movie as much as we love it? And here we go. Yeah, there we go. I so, love
1: uh, I, lo- I love the logo being on a pint glass. I love the water dripping down the pint glass. Back to this movie being beer porn.
0: Yeah. Oh my God, the beer porn. Wow. Um, I love the transition of the circle into the, the to the O. Yeah, the
1: that's great. It's really clean. Um,
0: it's so well directed, and then the fact that like the ground they're on is like the same amber color of as the beer. Yeah, yeah. The- so you can transition into that being the beer. Um. It's so good. It's, it's so good.
1: It's like Kubrick being used for fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or instead of being overpowering and punishing, which is what so much of Kubrick's filmography feels like to me. I'm sorry, film nerds. Yeah. Uh, this When I watch an Nigra Wright movie, I see that same level of dedication, that same level of focus, but it just seems to be more inviting and playful and fun. Yes. Than like, look at my dick.
0: Yeah, Shelly. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Look at my dick, Shelly. <laughs> um, you're stuck yeah. in here with me. And then we get uh we get Primal Screams uh, loaded. What yeah. can you tell us about this?
1: I, I can actually tell you a lot. It's a, it's a pretty interesting song, so uh this song in and of itself is actually a uh, a remix of an earlier Primal of a, or earlier Primal Scream song. I'm losing more than I'll ever have. Oh, and so this song "Loaded" was mixed and produced by Andrew Weatherall, R.I.P. We just lost him in February. Rest in peace, oh, Andrew no. Weatherall. Uh, okay. So Primal Scream first became what was all from Wikipedia. Primal Scream first became aware of Andrew Weatherall after he published a favorable review of their eponymous second album in his own fanzine, Boyzone, uh, having subsequently <laughs> met him at I'm not kidding, an acid house party, at which he was DJing. And became friends with. And mm-hmm. so uh, Primal Scream then asked Andrew Weatherall to remix I'm Losing More Than I'll Ever Have from the uh, for their album. And he was paid uh, 500 quid. Wow. So his first attempt, he did it. He did it. He remixed I'm Losing More Than I'll Ever Have. But by his own admission, he just basically, quote, slung a kick drum under the original. Yeah. And, and then Primal Scream listened to that. And they're like, no, man, like we want you to jack it up. We, we yeah. want, we want you to really go nuts, uh, to quote guitarist, Andrew Eines, just fucking destroy it. Wow. <laughs> so Andrew Weatherall goes back in and he abandoned everything with just like a, a, a seven track sample. And then he, uh, he mixed in the oh, and the, the wild angels is the movie that is sampled Mm -hmm. at the beginning i don't forgot what i said before and then the rest of the song the rest the rest of the song is constructed from i'm losing more than i'll ever have a vocal sample from the emotions i don't want to lose your love and a drum loop from an italian bootleg remix of Edie breckel's song what i am and then on top of that a bobby galepsi singing a line from robert johnson's terraplane blues that's amazing yeah wow and, uh, and the song was, uh, a huge hit and was pretty influential. And, uh, it reached number 16 on the UK singles chart, making, uh, Primal Scream's first UK top 40 hit and uh, garner wow. their first appearance, appearance on top of the pops.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So wh- how apropos that a filmmaker, a filmography is remixed and sample heavy as Edgar Wright. Uh, was inspired by this song, which is, and of itself, is a uh, a remix, a remake that becomes greater than the original.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> um, so our our first shot of uh of this sort of um montage here mm-hmm. is uh, Andy walking into work. So we get adult Andy, and we get uh, we get Nick Frost in a very different kind of role for him
1: from the get-go you're like oh this guy is isn't danny butterman or ed
0: right right um and really again just continues uh, us just like waving that flag of like simon Pegg and nick frost are much better actors than anyone gives them credit for
1: definitely i mean ju- just seeing him walking down i mean like you know i think nick frost is as funny as he is verbally he is a, a an incredibly physical actor Yes, and we're able to see him just kind of like jaunting down the hallway, kind of off camera, like acknowledging someone while looking at his phone. Right, and he's like on the go; he's a little hurried. Right, but he's a professional. He he, he doesn't look like he's weathered or beaten down by the corporate life. He looks like he's energized by it.
0: Yeah, and yeah. He, he and seems that, to be having a. He seems to be having a like. Well, yeah, energized. But then you also get this sense that he's like. He's not, he's not smelling the roses, uh, no he's not smelling the roses and um it, it it you you do get the sense that this is a guy whose wife just left him he's distracting himself, yeah, yeah um for sure uh also just something this is just a technical thing that I noticed while um really going through this uh i've never noticed that this particular shot i don't think any of the other shots do this, but this particular shot. Um, was it? I don't think it was long enough for this uh, process or something. The, mm-hmm. the the you know whatever the, it is that they're doing this transitional process mm-hmm. um, because they freeze it. They freeze the last like two seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, they do.
0: Yeah, it freezes. Um, and none of the other shots do that, but this one does, um,
1: um, which I think is interesting. I love I love Gary's living space in here because the first time you watch this, you could it does pass as just like a shitty flat sure like like a one-bedroom new york kind of like you know but upon subsequent viewings it's you can be like oh my god that's totally just he's he's staying at this this halfway house this like mental hospital
0: right yeah um yeah for sure it's uh because it looks like a dorm yeah yeah uh which again kind of paints a picture of a guy who never grew up in a way yeah. Um, Cause it's like, it's like, yeah, no, he left high school and now he's at university and he just kind of never left that world. Mm hmm. He sort of stalled and He's 40 there. now and he's still kind of still there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cause you're sort of, when you're in college, you can be allowed to sort of keep, keep on partying. Right. Or start partying for the first time.
0: Right. Right. Um, and then we go into we get o- uh, man. like a, yeah, we get we get some sort of um, it's some sort of coffee shop. Uh, I don't know if this is a chain. Someone from England, if they if they know that this is a chain, yeah, you get uh, a
1: sign. You can see like the, the corner of a sign.
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's like this kind of sign that if this is a real chain of coffee shops, um, someone will recognize that corner of the sign and be like, oh yeah, that's that. It's like if this was a Starbucks and we only saw a corner of the sign, we would know that. Oh, that's a yeah. Starbucks or like a pizza. Right. But I don't know. I don't recognize that corner of the sign. I'm just curious if yeah. uh, anyone else does in England, if this is a chain of coffee shops, it definitely appears to be a chain. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the set is designed, it, it it seems like some kind of uh chain coffee shop, but uh, yeah, he's in line getting his coffee and he is annoying people in line because he's talking really loud on his Bluetooth headset. Morgan, Martin, Fre- Martin Freeman He's Morgan, doing, Freeman. Morgan Freeman is a great <laughs> Imagine actor.
1: Imagine if Morgan Freeman was playing Oliver. Because I don't want to be called, called fucking O-Man, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> W-T-F, Gary.
0: <laughs> Can we not talk about my sister <laughs> in regards to A, massive white-ons, <laughs> <Yeah>. and to <laughs> <Yes>. B, <laughs> Stephen's erect penis. Steve, Stephen's
1: erect penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh <man>. but, <laughs> but Martin Freeman is so good at the vibes that he's given off. I think that's where, that's where he's best at just kind of being annoyed and put off. Yeah. Cause like when I think of him in that, I think of like, uh, uh, Watson Fargo, Fargo. Yeah. even, even his character in black Panther. When sure. he's like, I don't, I don't, don't make me listen to your music. Yeah. He's just really good at being like put off and annoyed. Yeah.
0: And here he's doing both. He's put off annoyed and being annoying.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you can see the extras in the back are like, this guy's getting out of line. Yeah. You know he's going to want to get back in line. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really fortunate in my life that I don't do a whole lot of standing in line in coffee shops. No? I really don't. Yeah. I, I like getting coffee from home. Yeah, me too. I don't, I don't like going to a Starbucks. If I'm going to a Starbucks, I want something that I can't make myself. Yeah. Like I want a Frappuccino because I'm in the mood for a Frappuccino. Yeah. But if I want like a boiling hot cup of black coffee water, then (laughs) I'm not going to go to a Starbucks and get like Pike's Pike's, Pike's roast. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah for sure well usually like if i go if I go to like a like a coffee shop to get coffee it's to i i try to get something that I'm not gonna be able to make at home
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: you know um try to get something a little a little special like
1: an espresso uh, like I don't have an espresso machine
0: sure right um
1: i'm also when so, I'm going to a coffee shop I'm usually going to also do something else whether it's write or go on a date or hang out with someone that What I'm drinking is on the it's provisional. It's like, okay, well, while I'm here, I'll get something, but I'm here to do this,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so I did want to mention the Wild Angels, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, which is a because you know, they do while they are technically quoting, uh, you know, loaded. Uh it it the, you know, this is also quote I mean, you know, because this is the clip from the Wild Angels, so they are also quoting this. Mm-hmm. Uh the Wild Angels directed by Roger Corman.
1: Hey. Yeah. Director of the Nin- Fantastic Four.
0: Yeah. Nineteen sixty six Roger Corman film, uh starring Peter Fonda and Nancy Sinatra Hey-o. and Bruce Dern. Hey. Yeah. Uh, made on a budget of three hundred sixty thousand dollars, and <laughs> turned in uh fifteen and a half million.
1: Yeah, man, those
0: biker pictures. Yeah,
1: they were they were a hit with the kids. Yeah, they yeah. would ch- they would churn them out just like like Netflix rom coms.
0: Yeah, um, this was uh put out by uh, American International Pictures, mm-hmm. and uh, they would uh, later follow up. Devil's Angels with a film called The Glory Stompers, uh, which is a 1967 biker film starring Dennis Hopper.
1: Great. Yeah. You had to have one. Right. You they had to have Hopper or you had to have Fonda.
0: Yep. And then, of course, uh, this would all lead to the 1967 film Born Losers, w- featuring the, uh, the uh, introducing uh, Tom Laughlin as the half-Indian Green Beret Vietnam veteran Billy Jack.
1: Yep. Go ahead and tell tell your neighbor, go ahead and kill a friend. Do it in the name yep. of heaven. Justified in the end. I'll never forget one day I was in college and I w- I was in some kind of like intro to media, like an 8 a.m. class, you know? And uh I had a professor that just recounted Billy Jack like it was a fable to us.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love Billy Jack. <laughs> he saved all those hippies. Uh, this is a um, uh, it's a weird plot this movie. Uh, but it's definitely it's a film about the Hell's Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, although I don't think they could, I don't know for sure because I've never seen it. But I think I think the reason it's called the Wild Angels is because they couldn't actually call it the Hell's Angels, or they'd probably get killed or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Bruce Dern plays a character named the loser Mm -hmm. in this and he gets killed and this whole movie appears to be a battle over who gets to decide what to do with his body great (laughs) like either the town that they grew up in or uh or or them like the people that he hung out with and so they like i think they steal his body they like remove him from a casket because like, I guess the town that he's from is like full of Nazis. This is a crazy movie. It sounds like, um,
1: well, there's a a 99. Nope. No, I'm 100% sure that Quentin Tarantino has seen that movie at least three times.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm like looking at this and there's a, there's a lot of violence, a lot of, I
1: bet Betty made Fiona Apple watch it too.
0: Yeah, probably. Um, lots of, uh, lots of bad stuff happening in this movie. (laughs) Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a thing that exists, but I guess who, taken out in a vacuum, uh, that one clip from it is, uh, you know, pretty, yeah pretty, pretty cool. Who's,
1: who's, who's making sure that those movies survive, you know? Cause like, I don't know. I don't know if the wild angels are on the criterion channel. I don't know if Billy Jack is making its way to the criterion channel. Like who's, who's, yeah. who's archiving that
0: stuff? Uh, isn't it, um, there's that other company uh, that does the 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 like more, shout factory. Um, yeah, shout factory. That's it. Yeah, Got shout it. factory does this stuff. Okay, I think. Well,
1: who knows? Maybe I'll I'll get around to get around
0: watching it. the Wild Angels. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, I guess. Um,
1: I don't have. I don't, I don't have the appetite for that kind of stuff that Tarantino has. I, I remember realizing no. that. When I was going through my Tarantino phase, and I was like, "Oh, I want to watch everything that he's talking about," and then I would put on like, you know, some like he just he just loves drive-in exploitation movies.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: he loves vengeance. <laughs> he loves re- he loves revenge, Quentin Tarantino.
0: Oh man. Um, he loves. yeah he really does he well he likes grindhouse this he, is definitely grindhouse yeah movie. he
1: loves grindhouse movies where it's like no man you got to be in your car in the in the 60s and you can barely hear it it's great it's great all i want right. to watch, watch five of them in one
0: night all right man and thanks, you will QT. too <laughs> thanks qt thanks qt uh but uh yeah i guess that's i guess that's minute five um solid first week yeah i think so uh good uh good 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 first week uh good good minute here where the movie's like finally getting going now uh, <laughs> so we'll have uh, lots to talk about next week uh I will say this, and we've said it before, but we're we are fulfilling this promise um we're going to have very few guests this season uh Mostly because this movie isn't particularly meaningful for a lot of people other than us. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's not like you can ask everybody what's your you know, like hot fuzz, everyone's got a favorite hot fuzz moment, but that right, doesn't really right. exist for this movie.
0: Yeah, and I just don't I don't I just don't want this season of the podcast to just be a series of us of of the guests saying that this is their least favorite one and us saying it's our favorite one and then being like, Oh, really? Why? And then we have to like <laughs> Describe why this is our favorite one again and again and again and again. Um, so we're just going to we're going to keep the, the guest to a minimum, um, just a, a handful of favorites uh, scattered around. But much like the movie I, itself. Yeah. And we're probably not going to have any guests for a solid 40 minutes or so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to time it to where maybe like during the pub crawl stuff, we'll start having like favorites. Well, of the. I,
0: I, I think it, it'll be when the uh, when the blanks show up for the first time. Uh, that's good. That's a good one. It's probably one where we start having um, some guests occasionally, but uh for this, this, Oh, these opening moments of just, you know, the gang before we start getting the real science fiction stuff happening. Mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be Nick and I. Um, So get ready for that. Uh, get ready for that. I guess <laughs> strap in. Cause it's just going to be the two of us for a while. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that's all we got here. So um, guys, if you are interested in our Patreon, uh, you should check out duelinggenre.com slash support. We put out at least two podcasts every week on our Patreon. It is $3 a month and you get two bonus podcasts a week. Um, we're doing, we are do commentaries for films. Uh, right now we're in the middle of the Star Wars uh uh films I think um return of the saga. jedi the return of the Jedi commentary is coming out this weekend, so be on the lookout for that uh and you know we have the the weekend bugle, which is Zach and I, and uh Nick and I occasionally do stuff over there as well um I would like to during this uh this crazy time that we 're in it would be cool to like bring back not writing um, <laughs> yeah, maybe just do some. Like little, little hangout. Yeah. Just
1: talk about stuff.
0: Yeah. For like 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, we've, uh,
1: like there's podcasts of us covering every fast and furious movie.
0: Yep. That was out. Uh, there's so,
1: literally hundreds of hours of podcasts in there.
0: So many, that are so many, you guys that are all fairly um, evergreen. Yeah. And for $3 a month, I mean, it's it's we're not asking for much and you get so much in return. And uh, we appreciate everyone who does that. Um, We really, really do. You have no idea how much that $3. Like if everyone listening to this show became a Patreon supporter and gave us $3 a month, the things we could do with that money. Uh, (laughs) So uh, check it out. See if you uh, if you want to, you know, give us give us uh, uh, $3 a month. Uh, That's DuelingGenre.com slash support. We appreciate everyone who does that. We're going to remember the Friday nights, and hopefully you'll remember us on Monday morning when we're back with Minute 6. But for now, let's boo-boo. Bye-bye.